You don't just start playing baseball and then instantly make it to the major leagues. You have to work hard to get there. You have to have a game plan to get yourself to be the MVP. The Most Valuable Producers podcast is not for the average agent. You can't be average to become the MVP. Just like in the big leagues. You can't just be a one or two or three tool player. You have to be a five tool player to become the MVP. You can make a difference in someone's life every single day in this job, in this career, in this industry. What's your game plan? This is your host of the show, Mitch Gibson. You are listening to the MVP Podcast. What is going on, MVP Podcast? It is your host with the most, Mr. Mitch Gibson, joined by a very special guest. And I guess every guest I have is special. Mr. Nick Obi coming to us from Producer Systems out of New Hampshire. Come on, tell me that I hit that correctly, Nick. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hopefully you're Mitch. having a great, great start to the week, my brother. Appreciate your time. Dude, appreciate having me on. I'm so excited I cut you off, dude. You nailed it. <laughs> no, I appreciate you it. I tried the to, damn I, intro. I tried, to be the, I tried to be that guy. You know, you hear like the Pat McAfee shows of the world or, you know, you, you tune into a radio show on uh, Sirius XM, if people even do that anymore. And they just, the, the introductions are just glorious. And I said, I strive to have a glorious introduction for everyone as much as I can. But also that comes with preparation work and knowing who you're talking to. I just asked Nick where he lived about 36 seconds ago when we first started the show. So I'm proud of my ADHD mind for putting two and two together and getting that corrected and, and, and ready to rock and roll. New Hampshire. What's what's New Hampshire like? I've never been. So dude, it depends where you go. You you know, I live out, we're actually moving this weekend. We're moving out to the coast, the beach area. And so there there's there's bars, there's restaurants, there's there's lifestyle, there's you know couple hundred thousand people in this this seacoast area but you go up north you can ski lakes you could also find like east bum if you wanted to (laughs) you know it's like there's a little bit of everything and i think sometimes we get a bad rap because we're north of boston and so it's like wow that's where the hicks live it's not hicks (laughs) you can find them but you know it's not everywhere good news the good news is is there's smoke everywhere and up in the northeast right now correct are you are you getting any of that from the California fire or the, the Canadian fires? I'm looking out the window, right? You know, I don't know. I think if there was a day maybe we had it. If if we are, for me, it's not smoky enough. Maybe I'm, I'm spending too much time inside. I don't know. I'm going to get out. Could be. That could be. Well, hey, hey we're not, we <laughs> won't go into what you, whether you drive into work or whether you don't drive into work. We're going to start this episode off. And I guess kind of a little disclaimer before we go into my five rapid fire questions that I know everyone loves and can't wait, wait uh, to, to hear the five rapid fire questions because it helps. For you, the listener, get to know the uh, the guest a little bit, a little bit more. You kind of know where you know what kind of things. Whether he's a goofball, whether he's a geek, whether you like him or whether you don't, based off those five rapid fire questions. I base them based off how much I like the guy or girl, depending on their answers. If they like goat cheese milk or goat cheese ice cream, I don't know if we could be friends. But we're gonna kickstart this off. <laughs> five rapid fire questions. Nick Obi, producer systems. Nick, what's your favorite color? Green. Used to be blue. Oh, he's a change color man. He changes the colors. Okay. I'm a a big fan of that. Green's my favorite as well. What's your favorite flavor? What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Goat cheese ice cream. You're lying. (laughs) (laughs) You lied, sack of shit. They they call it now the tonight dough. It used to be called half baked. I don't like the name change. They threw Jimmy Fallon on the damn cover of this thing, Ben and Jerry. So I'm not a fan of that. But it was called half bake. It's half uh, Ben and Jerry's half brownie batter, half cookie dough. Now mm. I eat the, the dairy free, uh, you know, mm. s- uh, selection if I'm doing it. 
haven't had it in forever, but that's a favorite by far. Wow. I could, I mean, we used to put that shit down like a whole pint. You get half the. Yeah, you you know when you get Ben and Jerry's pint. I do. I first, love it. I I literally love it. Yeah. So the first half, I haven't had ice cream shit in years, but the the first half it's all hard, and you're like, I'll save the rest for later. But then you get to the, the bottom half, and it starts getting soft. And you're, you're not putting that shit back in the freezer. No, you're finishing the rest of it right then oh, and there. If you don't, you're gonna get made fun of, or someone's gonna come take the best part of it. 100%. Take the best part of the ice cream. Nick, if you could visit anywhere in the world, travel anywhere in the world, where would you travel? Go on vacation right now, seven days, you know? Right right now, Italy. Okay. Any specific part of Italy or just Italy? Shit, shit I got no idea. I know it's big. My wife studied abroad there. She's okay. got family from there. She's been, so it's kind of like one of those things I've, I've talked about going, but I, I don't know. I guess I should get a little bit closer, or narrow down the exact uh, city I want to visit. It don't have to. It doesn't have to be that that in depth. I just was trying to be nosy more more so than less. <laughs> if you could spend twenty four hours with anyone, dead or alive, who would you choose? Dude, you catch me on a, an interesting day. We just put my wife's horse down Aww. yesterday. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And so today, dude, I would say him, my wife, and my daughter again. Another twenty four hours. That's a great answer. You can't go wrong with that answer either. I mean, why not? That's why you married him and had a child, so you can hang out with him all the time, right? Exactly. Let me ask you, let me ask you more of a serious question here. And, and, and I usually go five rapid-fire questions, but guess what? I'm going to go six because there's a sixth one that just came to my mind before we started this episode while I was dealing with some issues with my AirPods. But my next question, more so on the serious spectrum, if you could give advice to someone, maybe out there getting kicked in the teeth, struggling in life, feeling like they just, you know, they're taking one step forward and three steps back. It's just not going well for them right now. What's one piece of advice you could give to somebody? Dude, I would say realign with like your vision. Where do you want to go? Because I've been there. I've been getting my teeth kicked in at times and you you feel like you're lost. You don't know where you're going. And I think if you can realign with the vision of what you actually want, where are you trying to go? I think that helps kind of connect everything back together and make everything else fit back into place. Because you know the ultimate end game of what you're looking to accomplish. I love that. That's a great answer. And sometimes you just have to hit the pause button. And I love that. I think if we all, if you if you're struggling, I told someone this the other day. I said, you know those like, you know the the I don't know if it was Office Depot or Office Max, but it was the click the button. It was the that's that was easy button, right? Yeah, yeah. Hit the just hit actual life pause for a second and then just sit back and think and look at those vision. I think that's a great answer, Nick. Good shit right there, brother. Good Appreciate shit. Appreciate it, dude. Like that. So music is something that drives me, puts me in my element. There's different types of moods of music that depends on what I'm doing and work. Whether I, if I'm creating content, I'm not going to have some little lonely, you know, country set. Right. So I'm going to have something more upbeat. going to get my mind flowing, everything moving. So my fifth question, who is your favorite type of, what's your favorite type of music? Who's your favorite band, musician, artist, name it. What are you listening to in the headphones? If you got to go out there right now and get pumped up. Country music. That's like, that's where I spend my time. I, I, and I, I, you know, I would go through stages. I really like Kenny Chesney at one point. I still like some of his stuff. I love on Amazon, the fresh country. You get hit with the up, up and coming artist. The fresh country. So, baby. Um, that's probably where I'm listening to most of my music. Right now in the morning, though, my daughter, we're making smoothies every morning. We got the Jack Johnson playlist rolling. Ooh. Re rediscover banana pancakes. But is it banana yeah. pancakes? A little banana pancakes. Oh yeah. Okay. So I'd say country in that. Talk to him, kid. So you gotta listen to music and, and, and headphones. Whether you've got AirPods, whether you've got the cordless ones, whether you got the ones with the cords, still the OGs that go into the, the, the desktop of your computer, 
that I still have to use a little bit of. But this is a really weird, but honestly, very interesting question. I had issues with my AirPods, right? Right before we started, Nick, true or untrue? I couldn't figure it out. True. One was working, the other one wasn't. But when I take an AirPod out, I know there's, they each have little gestures that you can do on them. But if I'm pulling an AirPod out, I'm, to my understanding, no matter if you have one in or you have two of them in. So if I had my right one in, no big deal. I could hear it. If I had my left one in, no big deal. I could hear it. But if you were to only have one earphone in, which ear are you putting your earphone in? My right ear. Okay, that's it. That's how I was. But I'm like, you know how many people probably grab that and go left ear? Are they lefty though? That's a discovery. I'm sitting here. That was a great question. I'm not going to ask every single person that comes on the show, Nick. Are you a right yeah. or a left ear earphone wearer? I'm I don't going know right. why the right ear for me. It's because I'm right-handed. I don't know if it's just easier because I'm e- easier. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Or what? You know what happened to me the other day? The first time in, a, I don't know, a long time. I had my earbuds in all day. And I had, I've got these blue light glasses I wear a lot of times. And that's why I'm not wearing them right now. I took it off at the end of the day. I was done. I felt like I was wearing the earbuds and the, the glasses for about five hours <laughs> after I was done working. Just because they, they, they had just they had just like worn themselves into your soul. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that, shit. I don't, Weird that question. Nothing, right? Yeah, but I like should it. I skip, should I take that out? You think? No, I think we leave that in there because it, it just it brings up a great. That wasn't like a. That wasn't like a. Oh, we're gonna roll right into this question that just brings us into our conversation about insurance, which is why we're all here, right? And why you're listening to the episode. But when you think about it truly. And you think about processes, you think about agencies that you're working at, agency you own, um, agency you're consulting at. What is the common thing about insurance agencies? They're all different. Your yeah, agency is yeah. different than mine. Mine's different than yours. Person who grabs his AirPod case, there's people out there that probably don't even think about what ear they don't even care what ear they put it in, as long as they can hear the message or hear what they're listening to through the, through the earphone of the speaker. But for me, I almost guarantee you. of the time, I take my AirPods out, and if I'm going to have one AirPod in, it's only the right AirPod that goes in. For me, that's just what it is. But there's people that probably use the left AirPod. Everybody's different. Everybody's different in the way that they do their processes. Nick here focuses on with, you know, not only with just producers, but when you think about commercial lines insurance and commercial lines producer, you think about the broker of record. Agent of record, call people. You have got a bunch of little, little names, little different names, right? When you think about the broker of record and saying, hey, sign here, I need this. And how do we get to that point of getting his signature on a piece of paper? Everybody's process is different in how they do it, right? Mm-hmm. What's one big misconception people take, I guess, when coming in? Say I'm, say I'm a new agent less than three years in this business, maybe even less than two years in this business. What's so scary about broker records and agent of records for people that just run away from them? Because I wish I was taught that. From the beginning, that would have changed the way that I wrote insurance, I think, indefinitely. Dude, I totally agree with you. It's it's not taught. You come into this, the whatever agency, the system, for the most part, they teach go out and quote. Like that's that's how they teach. I was about a year and a half in the business. No, shit, not even. I think I was like eight months in and I was interviewing for uh, interviewing for jobs out in San Diego as a producer. I'm from the East Coast. I want to move out there. Sit down at this interview and um the guy goes, hey, well, we, ju- we only BOR here. That's it. And I was like dumbfounded. 
And I, I literally asked the guy, in, this is a damn job interview. And I go, well, how the hell am I supposed to write new business? The guy's been in the business 20 years. They had a multi-million dollar agency. They only BOR. They're clearly writing freaking business. So sure. I asked him, hey, how am I going to write new business? He looked at me and he goes, dude, I think you'd be better off as an underwriter for five years, understand the business, and then come back to me. Now I was pissed. I'm like, this guy's an asshole. I'm not going to go be an underwriter. I'm a damn producer. But what it did was it opened up my eyes so there, there might be a different way. There might be a, a, a potentially better way to actually write business. And I think that's the biggest misconception that producers come in and and I did it. I didn't think for myself in the beginning. I just said, hey, they're teaching me how to quote. I'm going to go quote. There's a better process. You need to understand the process and be able to communicate that to the client. And if you can you know, essentially think for yourself and develop your own sales process, you don't have to do what the agents have done for 30, 40 years. You can create your own path. So for me, that was the BOR. I think that's the way of the future. Um, that is where I think producers can start to find some confidence is building out their own sales process with it. Well, and I think I think well, you know a great answer, and I I don't think you could have been any more correct. It, it is correct in the ways of the process. My process has changed thirteen different times the last six months. It's also yeah. because I am fine tuning, right? I'm fine tuning. Yeah, yeah. I'm going back, looking back at the last three months of activity, looking back and looking at hit ratio compared to closed business, looking at activity as far as outbound call activity, outbound lead activity. What's that look like? Right. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to change. It's just like, it's just like, and I'm going to reference this to baseball because it's kind of the whole concept behind the MVP podcast is, you know, you can't just be a one tool player in this industry as a producer, just to win. You can't just be a two tool or three. You've got to be a four or five tool player. If you want to be balls to the wall, one of the successful commercial lines producers out in the marketplace, that only comes from learning from the failures. Also learning from your own processes that you've created or the processes that you've established or been given. from somebody that you're working with now, the process is the key to your success, people. The freaking process is the key to your success. Whether you're a broker of record, doing a broker of record, or you're writing a simple home and auto insurance policy. If you're writing 10, but you want to write 30, it's probably something in your process not allowing you on a time frame wise of what the amount of time in a week and throughout a month for you to do that. Maybe you should go back and look and see if there's any automations or if there's ways I should approach relationships differently with centers of influence, because maybe you're writing bad, bad insurance, bad insurance customers from this one specific realtor who's just selling right. shit houses, you know, same thing goes here with the broker of record. But the one thing doesn't go away with the commercial insurance piece, Nick, that I talk about all the time. It's the relationship. The relationship wins in the broker of record. Correct me. Am I wrong? True or untrue? True, 100% true. And I think it's how you arrive at the relationship. And I think for young producers, there's this concept of a lack of confidence, right, in what they're doing and, and being able to present the BOR because it's like, I'm too new to the industry. Mm-hmm. So how am I, who, who am I to tell them that they should BOR their policy to me, right? So it's easy to get caught up quoting. I'll just take a shot at the quote. And maybe my, the price will be lower. Then I can convince them to come over, right? Sure. Did that plenty of times. Won plenty of accounts that I shouldn't have won that way. Where the confidence comes in and where you build the relationship is educating the prospect on something that actually can impact their business and their bottom line. What's missed in the insurance industry is nine out of 10 prospects, maybe even higher, have never heard of blocking the market. They don't know how the insurance game works. They do not understand the insurance market. For years, their brokers have... 
You mean blocking the market as far as I've got five carriers, other agents got six carriers. We represent three of the same of his six. He goes in there and knows it's being quoted and he goes and submits an application to each one of those carriers. So it blocks me out. Correct. Is that what you're meaning by that? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to make sure we're holding up. We're going to sometimes reel reel some of these agents back in so that they're understanding here. Yeah. So hundred percent, you're spot on. And so what happens is if you're a young producer and you're quoting that your three carriers are blocked now, what do you do? You pick up the prospect, you call them and go, shit, I can't help you out. Why can't you help me, Nick? You just wasted my damn time. You took me through this. You know, I, I gave you everything. Well, I can't the way the insurance market works. But so now we're explaining the process on the back end after we've wasted the prospect's time. So where you can actually improve the relationship with the prospect is hit them with that information in the beginning. Hey, I appreciate you taking some time. You know, I don't quote insurance. Here's how I operate. Explain them the, the market. The chances are they've never heard of it. You're going to get instant credibility, even though you're a young producer, because you just taught them something that they don't know. And where the benefit to them is. Here's how it benefits you, business owner, your bottom line, is that you need to understand how the insurance market works. If you don't know how to navigate the insurance market, you are leaving money on the table every single year. So now, as a producer, you're coming in, you're providing education, you're showing them how the market works, that's going to build credibility, and you're actually going to build a stronger relationship than taking them through a 90-day quoting process where you call them at the end of the day and say, hey, we're 20% higher, we have no carriers. So that's how you're able to build a relationship, especially when you're young, because these these business owners, these prospects have never heard this. They don't know it. And so now you're instantly teaching them something new, teaching them something new. You have instant credibility. You're instantly adding what everybody on that listens to this show knows. I say this term all the time. You've added value. 100%. And I think for me, I struggled with coverage early in my career. It's like how, think about how much, how many carriers, how many policies, all that I shit. Still struggle with coverage. If you don't struggle yeah. with coverage, you kiss my rear because I know you do. Oh, 100%. That was the biggest thing. Even when I left producing, I hated coverage. I'd get a claim call. Even if I knew the claim was covered, I'm like, shit, I don't know. Yeah, I, let me check. So trying to find confidence or as a young producer, wait, like, okay, I'll, I'll be confident once my coverage knowledge gets there. It'll never get there. It'll never be where you want it to be. But what I, love about the BOR and explaining it in a way that educates the pro- the prospect is you, if you've been in the business two months, you're an expert in the process. And we were talking process earlier. People, and I think people, producers get caught up in the coverage process, explaining coverage, selling on coverage, selling on service, right? I'm here for you. I, take, I give you certificates. You know, we meet 90 days out of the renewal. The process that the that we want to educate the uh, the prospect on, there's a lot of freaking P's and O's in there, <laughs> is how does the insurance game work? How can they best navigate it to get the most out of the market? If you can educate them on that, you've built trust, you've built credibility, and then asking for the BOR gets that much easier. Well, and I think the thing that I, you know, I look back and it's never really hit me in the head on why, right? You as a young producer, you get three, four years on the road, you look at your agency and the principal owners, and you're like, shit, we could do something a lot different. We could do this. Why did I spend this whole entire first six months learning about work comp? Never made sense to me one bit. But when you don't, when, when you walk into a prospect and or a, you know, customer's office, and you start talking to them about their work comp mod and that there's three different things that are going to determine your work comp premium. It's the mod, it's the scheduled credit, and it's going to be the rate. Those are the only three things. Those are the only three things. Yeah. And you shopping your insurance around three or four times every year at renewal is only hurting that scheduled credit. And I can't go and get the best rates and numbers and credits to my agency or to my carrier. 
that wants to write you because you could do the same thing to us next year, right? Having those little, even knowing a fourth of what, how to read a work comp modification factor worksheet, only knowing how to read a fourth of that, you're better than half the agents out in the world because they don't understand how to read a mod or a work comp, uh, EMR or work yeah. comp mod worksheet. But now I'm so glad that that's all I learned how to do the first couple of months so that I could be the professional and sound as, as professional and as, uh, to, to, to sound like I know as much as I can being as young as I, I was at 22, 23 years old and getting told no by that manufacturer. I wasn't going to be told by that manufacturer because I knew more about his work comp than the manufacturer knew about his work comp. hundred percent. Right? And you can take things, you can take the mod, you can take how the insurance game works. You can take how to negotiate coverage. If you're not a coverage expert, you can, okay, here's how we negotiate the right coverage to make sure you're getting the best. And so educating them on the process is where you actually win credibility. You build that relationship. That's, they've never heard some of this stuff. And I think that's what you know, a lot of young producers think, well, they must already know that. Their broker must've told them about blocking the market. And if they knew that, they wouldn't be having you in there to quote. That's right. Right. And the, the best example is like a CPA. Like if we think about the CPA world is almost like a little bit more evolved than the PNC world. You've got one CPA that can file your taxes. Just one. The IRS is only going to take one tax return. There's all this bullshit that you have to put together to get your taxes done. Think about if the way we manage our taxes was CPAs coming out says, hey, give me your information. Let me see if I can get a better deal from the IRS. And you're meeting with two or three of them every year. And you're providing all this stuff. And then they come back and say, hey, somebody already submitted to the IRS. I can't help you this year. You'd be pissed if you found out only one CPA can go to the IRS. So what you really are doing is saying, okay, it's two parts to the process. Who do, who do I want to represent me? What CPA is going to actually help me you know, lower my tax liability? Who understands the process and the system the best? Yeah, the tax language is important, but who's going to help me do that? Then I'm going to pick them and then we'll go file our taxes. Then we'll get the information together. It's the same with the insurance industry. It's up to the producer, though, to position it that way because the consumer doesn't know. He doesn't so know. He or she does. Not, there it is. They don't know. Yeah. Insurance is Spanish. It's correct. Swahili. It's whatever you want to. To other people, the insurance language, insurance glossary is third world country language to them. Yeah, they don't understand it. They think that you at your agency have your own insurance that you can go get. And then that agency has their own insurance. They don't fully understand that we're all going to, you know, every insurance agent is going to the same insurance company. And so that's I where I think is, oh, go ahead. Go, no, go. No, you finished that. That's where you said, uh, you said, that's where what? Go ahead. I was going to say, that's why I think young producers can get confidence from day, maybe not day one, but 30 days in, you know how the system works. And that's what you're, you're educating the prospect on. And that's what you, you start to sell them on. At, to at what point, to at what point are you as the producer reaching out to them, reaching out to a prospect. If you're on a broker record, if you know, you know, I got this manufacturer here, he renews on August 26th. Yep. Okay. He renews on August 26th. Let's just go easy. Let's go say you go uh, September 1st. He renews on September 1st. I know that from my prospecting <laughs> pipeline. I went and looked on insurance X date, whatever the way that you get your, your dates and numbers and whatever from, right. And you build your list at what if I know only option I have with that company or with that employee or that, that prospect is a broker of record, 
right? Because he may be with the one or two best carriers in that industry. How many days yep. out should I be reaching out compared to maybe a new prospect that's going to need the attention to quote? And he might be a he might be a Cincinnati Insurance client, like to the T. I'm going to go put him with that. If that's not that guy, the one that I have to go. I have no choice but to keep him where he's at. I'm going to go steal him and win him by the relationship. Yeah, I would look at 30 to 90 days. You know, there's some there's a school of thought that says do it midterm. I I tried that for a period of time. I struggled with it because what I found was people just got through their renewal. They they just got through this bullshit they didn't want to deal with. And I'm like, hey, you want to do it again? Like, no, <laughs> like not really, dude. Why don't we do it at, at when it actually renews? So for me, that was a sweet spot. What is beautiful about the insurance industry is there's a built-in sense of urgency with the expiration date. That prospect has to make a decision by that date. So you have your whether it's yes or no, you'll know and you can move on. And so I would use that to your advantage when when you're doing it off X date, they don't have to make a decision. And so what I found it was it was. It was harder to get them to commit because they knew they didn't have to make the decision until the renewal date. And so I would look in that 30, 90 day window. And the only reason I ask is it's just, you know, when I think of, for example, one of my biggest customers, they, they build, build cell towers and service them for yeah. you know, cell, cellular, cellular communication companies, Verizon, stuff in that nature. For him, there's only really one marketplace for him to be, right? The issue, the issue with trying to call on a this client, and you talked, you just hit a great point about, oh, I just went through the renewal process with my current care. I now have to get you this app, this spreadsheet, this list, this, that, and the other list. Yep. Redo it all over again. I had it 120 days out this year from the underwriting. Hey, we're 120 days out. Here's what I need. And you sent that off to the, the client? Nope. Here's what I actually do. I go sit down with the client, but before I go sit down with the client and schedule that meeting, I am spending the time to gather the information that I could answer those questions for him without having to ask, give him, you know, it might have a list of 10 things, but if I can give him a list of four things, it makes him a hell of a lot better. And I actually intentionally use a pen and paper for this, for this process. And I put a line through it and I put MG, Mitch Gibson, meaning I did it. Ha, already, it's done. So he also sees, oh, one, my agent's been working for me on this. A lot of yeah. it is our, you know, the, the driver's list, the MVR reports, the vehicle fleet schedule, and inland marine schedule. Those should be um, up to par if they've made endorsements, changed all that jazz in the back end, right, throughout the year. If they've added a vehicle, lost, lost an employ or, uh, employee left, added a new employee, those should be up-to-date numbers. And the reason of how we have our spreadsheets and shared drives and everything set up with our customers that should never, ever be outdated. But right. we're going to review be it still when we sit down. So I've eliminated his 10, you know, his 10, 10 item list to four. Two of them he sends over to his administrative assistant who's going to get the financial stuff from the bookkeeper. He's going to get me a couple of the other things that I need and it's over. I mean, to where that used to take us forever. I mean, that yeah. used to take three, four weeks to get all of that. The W2 or W4s to the 1099s, the subcontract. I mean, immaculate amount of a list of stuff but that carrier this is the first year i've seen it 120 days out and it kind of like stopped me for a second nick and it was like god forbid if i went and called on another tcom and they're you know 100 you know they're 100 days out they've already completed this process am i still going to call yeah. on that account i think i'm going to but i'm probably going to wait until 
probably going to wait a little bit closer to that renewal date time and make sure that that process went okay. Because I don't want to also ruin a relationship with that prospect potentially by hammering him with more shit that he needs when he just did all of that the week before. Yeah, it's interesting you say that too, because I would argue though, if you got it, so you got it from the carrier 120 day, 120 days out? Correct. I got it for the broker 100 or 120 days out. And then, well, yeah, the, the, the ENS third, broker. broker. Correct. Yeah, ENS yeah. broker. I mean, it's specifically so, tailored for telecommunications. Yeah. So I would still call that prospect because my guess is their agent, their broker was not as on top of it as you were. They're probably letting that, that thing sit. So, and I think if you put it back, so what you did, that process, that's how you prospect. Hey, I'm meeting with my, my clients 120 days out. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm taking them through because I know that if I send you an application, you're not going to do it. That's okay. You're not supposed to. you got a business to run. So here's what I do. I pre-fill it. We get four questions. I need that information back as soon as possible. That gives me the best chance to negotiate with the insurance market. Correct. And so now you can use that exact process in that sales pitch to whatever prospect you're calling. And that's where I think young producers can gain confidence. It's not about coverage. Can you you know, set your calendar 120 days out? Can you follow the steps in the process? 100%. And that's where Hopefully. the confidence, right. If you can't, you work on that. <laughs> but, but that's where the confidence comes from. And you're educating the prospects on that process and why it's important to them and why it impacts their bottom line. So you, you, you've said the word confidence a lot. And, and I'm a big confidence guy. I'm very confident yeah. about myself, very confident about me as a human, dad, agent, whatever, baseball coach. Confidence is your key to success, isn't it? Mine or saying? What would you say your key to success? What's what's that? What's one or two terms, I guess? You know, you think about there's two. I've got I've got my five pillars of what I think it takes to be a successful young agent, right? Um, but for you personally, you think you think put it. Ah, eh, let's 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 take this. You as Nick as a producer, Nick Obi as a producer. What's the one thing that's going to help make you win business more on a mindset standpoint? You think it's consistency? Would you say it's motivation? Do you think it is confidence? What's what do you what do you think that a very a key term? That would have, that would give somebody some success that they should be be focusing on. You think confidence is it? I think, yeah, I think confidence is a huge part of it, especially if you're going to walk in and ask for a BOR because they haven't heard it. It's completely different. I think confidence. I think consistency. For me, when I look back, I was about six years into the business, and this BOR system that I built was was working, and what was working with it was that I had defined the system. I defined how I wanted to operate. And so that fed to my confidence. So understanding exactly how you want the system to work and how you want to work within your own world, I think gives you confidence, but allows you to, it allows you to stay consistent because you've built out a framework for how you want to operate. What's going on, loyal listeners? It's Mitch Gibson with the MVP Podcast. Stopping you in the action of the podcast. Promise you that this will only take a second. Are you a local independent insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Well, look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and do what we're here to do, grow your business. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. 
For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. That's nbsbrokerage.com. Let them know that the folks at the Agency Intelligence Podcast Network sent you. I don't know if that makes sense. So it's, no, I would it say makes complete confidence, sense. confidence and then consistency, but also having the vision, the framework for how you want to operate. Those three things I think are super important because a lot of times I think, especially in this business, it's reactive. You know, we, we come in and it's like, well, what am I doing today? I got client calls. I got that. You, you, you're reacting to whatever's going on. And I took a, um, it was probably about two, three years ago, I took a high performance course. It was like an eight week group coaching course, run through how to perform at a high level. First week I hung up the call. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, f- I'm not doing any of this shit. And I was like pissed off. Right. And I showed up the second week. I'm like, damn it. The, where I landed was, I'm like, they don't know. They don't get it. It's the insurance industry. They don't get how it works here. It's different. I was, I was telling myself lies, right? Ultimately it wasn't that much different. There was ways I could change it. Did I have to make some, some, did I have to adapt a few things to have it fit the insurance industry? Absolutely. But it, it didn't mean it didn't work. But what I did was I ultimately ended up building my own framework, how I wanted to operate. And then that allowed me to show up consistently with prospecting because now I wasn't getting my prospecting time eaten away by the client calls or the claims Dude. or networking. Dude, money. The reason <laughs> why I say money is because it's because talk about how I told, I told Nick, everybody, before I started this episode that dude, I don't know where this episode goes and I never know. It just flow, kind of flows, flows where, you know, where it goes. But when you think about the producer, right, you think about that producer who is trying to adapt. Maybe it's, maybe he went and worked for this high level sale, you know, let's just say like a Salesforce type of computer yeah. software selling out to who God's know, you know, coffee shops to whatever. And he comes his first week in the insurance industry. You got to adapt, right? Whoever can adapt better is going to win. But then most importantly, and I've talked about all the time now, and especially in the technology world, whoever's going to adapt the technology better and be more open to that adoption, the longer lasting that you and your agency and your legacy is going to survive in this industry. Some of the things that people that are the thing that we have a struggle with with people who listen to this show, including myself, and I expressed it a couple episodes ago, was the stress of, yeah, I want to make change in my process, but guess what? I don't have. I don't have the financial. I don't have the financial decisions of saying yes. We need, we can take. We can get this piece of tech, or you know, I've got this magical. And if you go to my whiteboard in my actual office, I'm in the garage right now in my house. But if you go to my office um, at the insurance agency, I have a whiteboard, and it's I have this commercial lines pipeline drawn out on on a whiteboard for landscaping contractors. Yeah, yeah, right. There's two, two pieces of technology I didn't have. But what I did was I built out this diagram and I showed, showed the principal owner how this is going to help me write more business, right? And I did it. Like I, I, I took the time to do the research, show them why, yep. what can talk to what. At the end, I'll be all, it eliminates two steps from the CSR, helps me give back two and a half hours time per client. Boom. He bought it. Bought the next oh, one. Probably like that. Yeah. Right. There was one on the personal line. I had I was paying a couple of things out of my own pocket for a couple of months. And I totally tell this story. I only tell this story because there's sometimes it's called you've got to take a risk to try to get this reward. It's called risk and reward, people. Right. Sometimes you got to take a risk of paying a couple hundred bucks for a couple of months on a piece of software to decide whether or not it's going to help you. 
my the two hours using Canopy and Agency Zoom just happened to be very, very efficient for my personal lines process. Took that process, showed it to the agency owners. Guess what? We use it now. How do you have any other ways when you talk about people adapting and you know they're saying, oh, they got their head on a swivel? I don't have this, this, and this. If that if I had mod advisor and helped me be able to do that, eliminate time. What's the best way for producers to maybe, you know, they they visualize this process and maybe try to persuade that agency owner and or you know their their boss why a piece of technology would help in their process because they may build this process, Nick, but that one step in the middle that they need that tech could be the one that makes or breaks the makes or breaks it for them. So that process could be just absolute shit unless they have that. Does that make sense? I, I know that was kind of a no, dude. It, it makes a lot of sense. I think for a long time early in my career, I was. I don't know if afraid is the right word or I didn't want to. I felt like I, it wasn't my responsibility. I didn't want to invest in myself. I didn't want to spend my own money, you know? And so I think getting, recognizing like, yeah, it's okay to spend your own money to invest in yourself and to actually show, prove the process that it might work. Um, on top of that, I think tech is great. And I, I love technology, but there's still ways that you can do the work manually, Right. And so, and I'm not, I'm not an advocate for this, but if that's the one thing that's slowing you down is the mod advisor, right? Let's say you're whatever that mod software. Sure. Sure. You could still put together your own analysis on the experience mod. Would it be as slick? Would it be as good? Like, no. So if you're really committed to this process and you want these people to invest in you, your agency owner, but you don't want to do the, the mod work yourself, why the hell would they invest? And trust me, I learned a lot of this shit the hard way because I don't want to do some of the damn work. At times, I'm like, hey, just come on, give me some more damn money for some software. <laughs> right. And so uh, th that is where I'd say you can adapt the process and you can adapt it to fit you and your how you operate as a producer. And how you operate as a producer does not have to match how the agency operates. And it doesn't. You can go out like the agency I was at, past two, uh, the last agency I was at for 10, almost 10 years, the one before was about a year. And not everybody there be award. But I wanted to be a war. So if you want to work with me, that's how it worked. And so, and that was okay. For a long time, I, I was frustrated. I would think the whole agency should do it. I believe in this method, you know? And so as a producer, you can define your own process. You can use your own tech if you need to. And really prove your process. And then that's how you get by and you get support once it starts working. Yeah, and you... But the, the, you said something really great when I asked that question. I, I, I was worried that you weren't going to maybe, maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. But I was hoping you would answer it the way that you answered it in the self in, in the self realm of you need to work. I mean, sometimes right. you just have to put the right. pencil down on the paper and you got to just do it right. And and I say that in a nice way because I remember you know year three walking in sitting you know there with one, with one of my bosses and was kind of I'm sure it was a talk about money or you know gas or phone sure. or there's too many people calling my damn cell phone. Well, yeah, same here. There's so many people calling mine too, but I still take it. Right. He said, Mitch, he says, he says, you're going to start learning here before too long. He says, you want to pay for that cell phone? You want to pay for that gas? Go work harder. Buy a car you don't have to pay for gas for. And I looked at him like, what the f did you just say? <laughs> I'm in a sales role, driving all over Hell's Half Acre. We've come to some conclusion on some things, right? But in a sense, what all he was trying to tell young Mitch, work. You're not working hard enough. You're really right. not. It's not nine to five, right? And I said that the sec a 
flashbacks to when I was a first time I ever met Jason Cass. I was on his episode and he asked me the question, you know, what's it, what's, what's that one thing stopping people? I said, it doesn't, you can't get the shit done nine to five. It ain't going to get done. It ain't going to work. You can't, if you want to succeed in this business, especially your first three, four, five years, it's not going to get done at 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 or 5 o'clock p.m. every day. There's no way, especially if you're trying to educate yourself, right? Talk yeah. to trying to find mentors and have a mentor, somebody that's going to give you the you know, kick in the ass that you need, someone that you can listen and depend on that's going to give you good advice. Yep. Those are the things you should think about as a new producer, not, oh, I need this, this, and this. No, learn from people that are succeeding in it and go try to follow and replicate what they're doing. Nick, or Nick, you probably don't give a shit to share some ideas. You don't give a shit to share a process with somebody. I don't care. This industry is about helping each other. I mean, we, we really, really are. You want producers to be better, right? So the programs that you build and what you teach are to do one thing. Make producers better at what they do, especially in the broker of record realm. I'm assuming that's what you guys are doing and what you have built over there with producer systems. I don't want to get off here without talking about that for a brief second. Um, what types of things, have, you know, what, what kind of sparked you to start producer systems and what, what, what kind of interested you to say, people need to know how to do this? Yeah, dude. So I was, it was, like I said, about six years in, right. And this BOR system was working and I found a better way, a better environment for me to succeed as a producer without having to go down the tr traditional path of quoting. And it was working, dude. I was more confident. I had pride in what I was doing. Like I felt like I was bringing value to the prospect meeting. I was more relaxed. I was creating a consistent pipeline. And really, I could see the path forward, dude. I had equity in my book. I had a 50-40 commission split. I had an expense account. I had a country club membership. Like I could see it. And it just didn't fulfill me. Producing did not fulfill me. What really I was passionate about was this system and scaling the system. And so I tried the traditional, you know, maybe I'll go for partner. I'll open my own agency. I'll join an agency that's already BORing. We can scale the system that way. I'll, I'll build a producer team. None of the stuff actually worked for me. I'm like, wasn't doing it. Ultimately, I landed on coaching insurance producers and teaching them this process, helping them scale with this process. And obviously, I'm excited about it. I was, you know, filled by it. But then when I actually started talking to producers and they were excited, they wanted a better way to show up. They wanted a better way to produce, create efficiency, write more new business. That's what really hit for me. I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. And so that's what we're doing now is helping producers define that path of you know, what system do they want to run? How can they be successful? How can they create an environment where they can go out and, and write new business and help them coach on that? So it's not necessarily just broker of record specifically, correct? Dude, I'm a big believer in the broker of record. To me, like that's the way forward. However, we were talking about confidence earlier. You need to be confident in your process and your system to actually go out and execute. Sure. So if I tell you one thing and you don't want to do that or you don't feel confident to do that, you're not you're not going to perform well in the sales environment. So you need to you need to define it for yourself. What does it look like? Like for me, my process and I got there over years of getting kicked in the teeth, as we were saying earlier. If you didn't BOR it to me, I didn't work with you unless I didn't have the market. And we didn't have all the markets at, at all the you know every point throughout my career. If I didn't have the market, I still pitched the BOR. So look, normally I don't do this. Normally I require that you know, the, you to sign the broker of record to work with you, to work with me. However, I don't have the carrier in this situation. I'd explain why. You know, we've as an agency, we've got other carriers that you know match this, you know, the description, whatever, that are competitive. But here's what I'm willing to do. I will work on these four carriers that I have, but you have to sign a BOR for those four. 
And if the clients or prospects didn't do either of those things, I wouldn't do that. And in the beginning, I didn't define my process. It was like, all right, I'm going to go in. I want to BOR this thing. And then I'd pitch it and the prospect would go, yeah, dude, I'm not going to do that. But will you quote it? And I'd freaking cave every time. Yes, sure. Shit. I'll I'll quote it. Here's here's, here's exactly what I need. I need lost friends. I need this. You know, I'd, I'd do the whole deal. And I would be pissed off after because I'm like, well, shit, that just that didn't go according to plan. I just got bullied around. So defining how I wanted to operate in my process is what gave me the confidence to show up to that prospect meeting and say, this is how I work every time. And here's why. Here's how it benefits you. Mm. This isn't about me. I don't quote your insurance because it's not, it's not in your best interest to have three brokers in the market, tying up the carriers, pinging multiple you know, underwriters who now are going to question your, you know, this, the seriousness of your account. And so that's how it always positioned. But having that process defined for me is what created all the confidence to step in front of that prospect and say, here's how I do it. Let me ask you this question on this. You brought up a great, <clears throat> great example. So he went to that client. He said, nah, could, yeah, I'd be interested, but could you quote these for me? Or if he said, no, nah, but you can quote, would you still quote these for me? And my first initial thought, I'm saying, yeah, I'll quote them for you. But just in case we aren't in this, you know, we aren't in the ballpark or these days they're not competitive. Maybe that's a bad way to put that. That was a terrible example, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say, yes, but I still want you to sign this broker of record because I now can now go back to that carrier and my rep and negotiate premiums and help. Also, I might be able to find some premiums that might not be as efficient or might be a little bit better, but not supplying the best coverage. And I can use that back to the carrier again. And maybe hopefully we can work some things out. How would you, how would you try to handle that? Cause I mean, at the end of the day, if they say, no, I'm not willing to sign it, but would you quote it? Have you ever said, yeah, I'll quote them, but I need you to still sign this document. Yeah. So there's, I guess a couple of things. Let me clarify. When I say sign the BOR, I'm still going to market. Right, right. right. Okay. And that, that, okay, that's kind of what I was asking, wanting to know. So like you're with Liberty, let's say. You're going to sign Liberty over to me. I'm going to still quote it for you. I'm going to still go gotcha. to the marketplace, but I am, I'm it. We're, get, we're, we're getting rid of the other broker, right? That makes sense. And but so, you're signing this other three, you're, but you're signing these other three, say you had four carriers, Liberty being one of them. But the other three, you're still having to sign because God forbid the other agent goes to those other places, right? Is that what I would either, I would either have them sign every one of them or the way I positioned it was I educated them on the whole process. Here's what's going to happen. Your broker's going to call you up. He's going to try and convince you to stay. He's going to tell you, I'm a piece of shit. I'm using this letter, um, you know, uh, against you and you don't know what you're signing. I want you to be very clear. When you sign this letter, here's what's going to happen, right? You're essentially firing your broker. You're hiring me to represent you. So we're clear. Okay, good. Now, I could have you sign 50 letters for every carrier. I'm not going to do that. But what's going to happen is a couple of things. They may already be submitted to the market. We may be blocked. They may get pissed off and block it, block us as we go. So as we go, if I, I need other carriers unlocked, I'll send you the BOR to have you sign it. And so that's how I would, I would typically handle it. Gotcha. And so no, that, that way they were in the loop. They knew what the process was. I just wanted to know, as far as like, you know, I think about that all the time. You know, I know Jason, Cass, they, they, have, they do a lot of not-for-profit work. Yeah, one of the best in the marketplace is West Bend Mutual. They have a division called NSI. It's a specialty division, but it's primarily focused on sports, leisure, not-for-profit, stuff in that nature. And there's not anyone out there that's real competitive, even with them, like the K&Ks of the world. But someone there's but West Bend, there's there's quite a few people around my in my 50, 60 mile radius that have West Bend contracts that I'm gonna go to that, let's just say the a boys and girls club and like now with West Bend. 
me tell you this, you're with the best of the best carriers, right? And mm -hmm. I think the emphasizing of the carriers are great. They wouldn't be reaching out to me if they weren't disappointed in something else. Um, so I think just the question of asking, should I have them sign the other three or four, you know, contracts or broker or a uh, uh, broker of record letters for the other carriers that you have, well, you know, what was the point of that rather, rather, rather than just making sure that you had the opportunity after the deal was either closed one or wasn't one. Um, and to show him that hey, you're going to bat for him, not just to get blocked out like an asshole. Oh, 100%. I don't know if that makes, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And I think you could do it a couple of different ways, depending on the relationship. I felt back to the relationship, right? If I felt like we were on it and the prospect really trusted me, if I was still building it, maybe I'd have him sign the letters just to kind of reinforce, like there's a psychological effect to the signing the letter. Yeah. And I think that's what's missed. Like you're signing this letter. You you chose to hire me. You You signed a letter to hire me. And you are, I'm your representative now. I'm your advisor. Whereas when you went on quoting, whether we like, we don't like to think, well, I didn't win on price. They, they hired me because, you know, best service and all. Price was an element. And that's how they, they, they realized they worked with you, right? It's like, oh, well, I've worked with Mitch because he, he got a quote. So if I ever want to look at other options, I need to go get quotes. Whereas if you have them sign a BOR, if they ever are dissatisfied with you, that's how they're going to go interview other brokers now. Mm. They're trained on the process. So it's a, there's a psychological effect to having them use, you know, the, the broker record. I, I do like that. And I, I guess kind of another thing too, real quick before I uh, let you take the floor and tell me, you know, give us your, give us your contact info and how people can get in contact with you. One thing that uh, <clears throat> if you're young and new and you're just, you know, you haven't done a broker of record or agent or record letter, never done any of that. Um, and you're a com full blown commissioned agent, hundred percent commissioned agent. Make sure you're having conversations with, especially with your standard market carriers on how commission structure or payment commission structure works on a midterm, on a renewal, because there might be some carriers out there that you have that you might take an agent or record. I took a roofing contractor last or month ago, um, $60,000, $70,000 account off of a broker or agent or record. And I willingly told the agent or told the customer, hey, I just want to let you know, you don't renew until November. But on this date, I will be your new agent. We will be your new service department, service team. We'll take care of all of your some service endorsements, certs, all that request. But just know that I'm not doing this to try to make money off you right now. I'm actually not getting paid. I'm actually not getting paid until your next renewal. Right. I had that. That, that made him feel amazing because I was taking, I was pretty much taking a, I'm taking six months of not getting a payment from the carrier from him because the other agent didn't take care of him the right way. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're on, um, it's like you're on sabbatical form. Correct. You're, just kinda, you're Correct. hanging out. <laughs> no, it, makes just, just... it makes a ton of sense. And the reality of it is what you did was you were transparent, right? You were transparent with the process and how it works. And I think as a young producer, if you can be transparent, as transparent as possible, you don't have to know everything. Just say, hey, here's the situation. Here's what we're working with. Here's how we're negotiating with the insurance companies. I want to take it over and be a war, but the carrier, they won't let me, they won't let me service it until the renewal. So I'm going to work with you for free, but we got the letter. We're going to submit it 30 days out. Like if you explain the process, you are building so much uh, trust, trust and credibility, crust, <laughs> the new, the new, uh, the new word there. Credibility, yeah. trust, crust. Yeah, I love it. Um, you need crust if you want to win new business. Yeah. So that's what's happening when you explain the process because nobody else is explaining it to them. They're, they're just not, it's everyone else is moving too quick. They're moving through the renewals. They're talking about coverage. They're focused on, you know, you know, 
here's the search, here's this. They're not explaining the process. And most people think about how you buy. You want to understand the, the process. You understand how the process works. You're like, well, I can make an, now I can make an educated decision. And so hmm. typically you're going to tr have the most trust from the person who educated you on how to make that decision. And any producer can do that. Even a producer that started 30 days ago, because you know how the, the system works. On top of that. You, well, go ahead. On top of that, what? No. Well, I was going to say it creates efficiency for the business owner. The BOR is, is literally the most efficient thing you can do as a, as a business owner, as a customer, consumer of insurance, and as a producer. Like, if you're a producer and you go out and quote 10 accounts and you win three, you just wasted so much time that you could put back into building better relationships with your current clients, your current prospects. You could be prospecting more. You can be doing, you can be studying more. You can be doing a hell of a lot more things than wasting your time with seven prospects. And if you went out and, and pitched the BOR to the same 10 people, you're probably going to still win three. Yeah. And you just cut out all the work. And so the if you went out to 10 people, if you went to 10 people and you only hit three, you know what's called that? That's called getting into the freaking Hall of Fame as a hitter in the MLB. That's three, right. <laughs> 300 yeah. people. And you're not supposed to, you're, you're not supposed to lose in this industry. Come on. Come on. Dude, 100%. You're going to lose. You're yes. going to lose. Some of the biggest mistakes. deal with failure. Dude, some, I, it's, some of the biggest mistakes I learned. Dude, finding the BOR, right? It was the biggest failure I've ever, not ever had. I've, I've, had, I've bombed some shit, right? So we're, I moved to San Diego. I'm working in um, as a producer. I get a job. I interview out there. And um, I come out. They're like, dude, we got a landscape program. Brand new. This year, we're one of four agents in the whole West Coast or whole state of California. It, we can do it everywhere in the West Coast. We're one of four. The other program been around for 15 years. They're you know increasing every year. This thing is like is ready for the taking. So I build up this pipeline of 4.8 million dollars in premium in a quarter. And at, at that time, I still spoke premium, not revenue. I still green. And everything renewed between April 1st and April 15th. Out of the whole damn thing, I wrote a thousand dollar bop. That's it. And I was like I said, I was 22, living in San Diego. I spent a lot of damn money, dude. I'm like, if, even if I hit 5% of this shit, I'm going to be fine. So I'm buying stuff. What I learned from it was I was ultimately selling on price, even though I didn't think I was. I'm like, hey, I'm Nick. Here's what we can offer. Here's what the agency has to offer. Here's what the resources we have. Ultimately, came down to, I was telling people that we were going to be 40% less. And we weren't. We were about 4% mm -hmm. less because we weren't actually 40. And oh, the carrier that we we're about to take all this business from, they uh, knew what was going on. They lowered their rates. And so everybody came back to me and said, Nick, you told us you're going to be 40% less. That's the only thing that you, you told us, you, the reason that we should go with you. And you weren't 40, so we're not going to go with you. I'm like, shit, I get it. I don't blame you, right? right. And so that, that's when I started studying the BOR and said, well, wait a minute. How can I position this differently? How can I bring value differently where price is really a secondary thing? And how we negotiate price is what I'm selling, not the actual Damn price this. itself. Damn, this McDonald's McDouble out in the East Coast is a hell of a lot more expensive out here in San Diego. Have well, to no, dude, it wasn't, it wasn't even that. It was, um, oh, shit, what's the burger place? In-N-Out Burger. No. In-N-Out. Uh, and you had to know that you, that you had to know they had crazy fries. Like, they didn't put it on the damn menu or whatever. <laughs> right, right. I think it's crazy fries. It's been, I've lived Something out there 10 like years that. ago. For me, the go-to out there was a steak and um, carnitas. Mm. Not steak and cheese. That's East Coast. Carnita, I think it was Carnitas Burrito um, with French fries. They call it the California Burrito. Mm. Never mm. had one of those. 
It was tasty. Never had one of those. Dude, now you're getting me hungry. It's getting close to dinner yeah. time. <laughs> Nick, dude, I appreciate all your help. Won't be the first, last time we have you on the show. Um, he doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to try to see if I can squeak in 20 minutes of his time once a month and, and have him part of the sales tip of the week so that we're, we're building up the YouTube channel a little bit more. Jake Giants has been killing it. He's had a couple come out. Um, you guys seem to like those. Um, they're quick, short, 15, 20, 25-minute um episodes to where we're just diving directly into something that maybe Jake or that producer or, you know, something Nick experienced back in his days of, of producing a couple of years ago. That's something he maybe struggled with. Um, Jake's was how his process has given him more efficiency to prospect more, right? Where if they didn't have some of these automations that they've, you know, specifically paid close attention to detail with over the last couple of months, he wouldn't have had that time back. So um, with that being said, Nick, dude, you're you're a wealth of knowledge. I love your love your energy, love your authenticity. You love to work hard, and uh, you know you're you've always got a place to come here and you know shoot the shit, let your mind out, and you know say what you need on the on the agency intelligence podcast. So, Nick, how could people get a hold of you, dude? What you know if 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 they want to maybe you know persuade their agency owner, or you know maybe there is an agency owner on here that's like, dude, I'm new. I've got no employees. Me, I got an employee or two really want to dive into the commercial market a little bit, but, you know, also want to still have my time to still build the agency, build the personal lines book. Um, how can people get in contact with you? What's the best way to do so? Dude, a couple of things. I appreciate you having me on. I'm in for the 20 minute sales tip of the week. So let me know after we'll set that up. That'd be fun. Cause I can talk about this shit all day long. Same. And my, <laughs> my wife would probably prefer I talk about it to somebody else besides her. Sure. Uh, uh, Touche. <laughs> so as far as getting in touch with me, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, Nick, last name A-U-B-E. Um, actually, shit, it'll be in the show notes, I'm sure. Um, if you spell it, if you get that spelling wrong, at least now they can clarify. Um, <laughs> website producer.systems. You can email me, Nick at producer.systems. Everyone freaks out. There's no dot com. No, it's freaking trendy. Okay. We're moving <laughs> forward. It's Nick at producer.system. All right. Tell and um, on top of that. If you're a producer or you're an agency owner, you want to check it out every Wednesday. Let me make sure I got the date right because I just I moved to today. Shit, that's not important. It's every Wednesday at 12 Eastern. Okay. I, I run a live call, Producer Systems Live. There's okay. no cost to join. So if you're a producer, hit me up. I'll get you the info. You can sign up. You can sign up right on the website. Live calls every week. Producers throughout the country collaborating on this type of stuff. We're having these types of conversations. Hey, I'm working on the BOR. I'm stuck in this part of the process. I'm working on you know this prospect. How should I position the BOR? So bring those conversations to the uh, to the calls. We'll dissect them. We'll dive through them. You'll walk away with with actionable steps to go out there and actually start implementing this stuff and continue to build your sales process. And then on yeah on top of that website LinkedIn. That's where you can find us. I'm I'm posting a lot on LinkedIn right now. Um, and just trying to share as much information about this process as possible. Absolutely, brother. Well, keep keep doing what you're doing. It's being noticed. I know people people out in the industry. I mean, hell, you're popping up all over my LinkedIn page, even if I don't like a post of yours. So, um, uh, loving loving the genuine, authentic content. That's what we need more of. More of is more people that are human beings and not trying to be someone they're not. I mean, that's what I challenge each and every one of you loyal listeners to do every day, every week. I always say it. You've got one. You've got one thing that you are in charge of every day, and you can make a difference every single day if you wake up with that positive attitude in mind. Don't forget Indie Tech Showcase Experience, uh, August 29th, 30th, and 31st. Young producers, especially if you have not signed up yet, you're 35 and younger. Hey, we might even make it 40. If you're 40 and younger, or less than three years of experience in the industry, okay, might be moving it to five years or less. 
doesn't matter. If you're a young agent, new to this industry, you need to be at the indie sales portion of Indie Tech Conference. Indie Tech Showcase Experience is a three-day event. August 29th and 30th is Indie Sales as well. In tangent with Indie Tech, which is going to be the technology showcase that we'll have inside the convention center in Indianapolis, Indiana. I can tell you, looking at the speaker lineup for the Indie Sales piece, so far I've got Heath Sheeran coming to talk about some building relationships and process stuff for you on that side. Brett Young, Andy Matheson. I mean, dude, David Carruthers, Jason Cass, myself, Eric Garcia, maybe Nick Obi. We'll see what happens here in a few minutes. But we'd love for you guys to be there. We're going to be talking a lot of – literally, if you don't have a process, you will have a process by the time you leave in those 48 hours. Promise you. I can promise you, if you don't have a process, you will have a process. We're going to break up commercial personal lines group after each speaker discusses what those breakout sessions are going to do. Anything from pro, pro, you know, building proposals to automation building proposals to creating a niche, creating that process, elevator pitch, all that shit. Come see us at Indie Tech 2023. For Nick Obi, Mitch Gibson, you've listened to another episode of the MVP Podcast. Catch you next time. And always remember that you can make a difference. Take care. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.